that was the first hurdle we had to overcome. But we got our costs in place and knew what our costs were. And we said, okay, well, here's what we think we need to mark up and we'll see, get them out in the marketplace and see if they sell. We can always make adjustments. And so that's kind of how we came about it. We looked at what our shipping costs were going to be, our landed costs, everything like that, and then put our markup on it and then started the sales online. And we had people buying and said, okay, we're priced right. And, you know, as we've grown, we've some prices we've reduced, some we've increased, but the increase has also come with a lot of value. So it's not the same product that it was three years ago. It's gotten better. We've put more care and, and effort into the product and more design so that has made the product that much better. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. We're recording this episode during the COVID-19 pandemic, so we hope that the inspirational stories that we deliver help in some small way as you and your family, friends, and coworkers look to stay upbeat, engaged, and active during these challenging times. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Peter Johnson, co-founder and CEO of Fat Scooters. Peter caught the entrepreneurial bug when he was only 10 years old, starting his first business cleaning up neighborhood yards while balancing school and swim practice. After college, Peter helped grow the family custom cabinetry business before transitioning into a hybrid world of tech, construction, sustainable product solutions, and engineering. Whoa, that's a lot, Peter. We're going to have to dig into this in a minute here. (laughs) All these experiences led up to the founding of Fat Scooters in 2017, and I'm excited to hear that backstory and many others from Peter. So with that, Peter, hey, thanks for taking the time today, and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks for having me, Colin. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, we had a chat the other day. I had a chance to meet you at the PGA show in 2018. Your booth was so busy with the fat scooters. You probably don't remember because I was probably one of like 10,000 people that you you saw during that time. I did spend a lot of time with some of your associates there who are amazing, by the way. You've got a good group there. And I do want to talk about the culture within fat scooters as we go. But to start us off here, Peter, I always like to ask this question before we get into the fat scooters and the entrepreneurial backstory here. Can you tell us your connectivity to golf, first of all, and maybe your first golf experience ever in your life? Yeah, I actually grew up in Guam overseas and my two younger brothers, I grew up swimming and surfing, but my brothers took up golf and they were a couple of years younger than I was joining the junior golf league out there. And that kind of pulled me into it. So I was in high school the first time I took up swinging a golf club and had my little brothers giving me pointers and making hole in ones before long before I was. But that was kind of my first golf experience and just got into college and we would to get out of swimming and things like that. We would go on the weekends and, you know, after we were done with practice and we would go play nine holes at some executive courses and just really enjoyed the game. Nice. I like that. So do you and your brother still play to this day? I don't know if they still live in the Phoenix area with you, but do you get a chance to use that as a way to get together with your brothers? You know, we do. Yeah, they're both really good. My younger brother, Andrew, played on the Canadian tour for a little while and now has a regular day job. But yeah, we get out and we really enjoy the three of us getting out and playing. It's just a a great way to, to connect and do something together. Now, have you been the gracious older brother and given them both a, a fat scooter so you can all play together? Or do they have to pay, uh, do they at least get a friends and family rate on a, on a fat scooter? You know, it's funny because we get when we get out, we don't really get to play on the scooters because they're always rented out at the courses we go to. So we haven't been able to play as a group together on the fat scooters yet. Well, that's but a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> 
So I got to do kind of a reverse order, rewinding the tape. Yes, I want to hear all the things that you did, including your experiences at college as a competitive athlete in swimming and the other things you've done in the entrepreneurial space and the family business and how these things have informed you. But let's work backwards here because my understanding is that Fat Scooter, the aha moment or the opportunity with Fat Scooter started in 2017. So why don't you tell our listeners here what Fat Scooter is, how it's connected to golf, and you know, just tell us a bit about what you're doing with Fat Scooter. Yeah, so Fat Scooters, we started as uh, pH fat, and we like to say it's pretty hot and tempting. It's got a big fat tire for balance. Didn't start it for golf necessarily, but we saw the need for a better vehicle to get around. Electric was booming. Lime and Bird, the kick scooters hadn't hit yet, but uh, we started about three and a half years ago, and the product's been out in the marketplace now for three years. We started in the consumer side with consumer vehicles, and then we would strap our clubs to the back, and we would ride down the canal to the local golf course and used it as a transportation mode. And I think Golf Board had been out for a couple of years now. We're starting to penetrate that single rider golf market. And we said, well, why can't we just put a golf rack on the back of this scooter and use it? It's two wheels. They're, they're about the size of a golf cart tire and be less wear and tear and on the golf course and be a fun way to play the game. So we did the PGA show and won best of show for product and then just started getting units out into courses and people really enjoyed it. And we just continued to innovate the product from there with better batteries, better seats, better motor for getting up hills, things like that, that you learn from having product out in the marketplace and being used. And so it's been a lot of fun and, and we've seen the, that single rider market really start to take roots. Got it. Got it. Now, it's my understanding here that one of your friends and one of your co-founders brought the first version of the Fat Scooters. What you used is kind of the base back from somewhere in uh, in Asia, my understanding, and you brought that back here. So tell us that a bit. How about you guys, rather than just looking at this, go, well, that's kind of cool. How did you see the business opportunity with the other experiences you've had? And we'll talk about what you've done with Cloud Blue and talk with EcoPact and some other things. But your background also in shipping, distribution, manufacturing, and packaging. How, how did this all come together as an entrepreneur to uh, put these pieces together to see there was demand and there was connectivity and, and a business opportunity here with Fat Scooters? Yeah, there's two approaches, right? In business, you either you either invent something and from the ground up, or you take something that kind of exists and either make it better or expand upon it. So we did the latter. And Dan, who is my business partner and buddy, he's an anesthesiologist, and he bought these two electric scooters. Told me to come over and take a look at them. Thought they're really cool, and and I did. And I had never seen anything like it. And me being me, after we took one ride down the street and had four or five people pull us over in less than a mile and ask what they were and where we got them, I said, well, there could be something here and started doing some research in the market and seeing if it was saturated yet with this product or how many different models were out there. And there really wasn't anybody doing it. There weren't a lot of companies selling this product. There were some issues. There were a lot of issues with the design of the product functionality. So we called my other business partner, Bo, who we're currently in, in cahoots together on, on a, a wireless tracking company. And he had the same feeling and, and interest in the product as I did. So we said, okay, that's, that's enough for us to move forward and start taking a serious look at actually doing this. Bo flew over to China and we found a factory that would produce for us to our spec. And we just took a lot of the issues that we saw from a legality standpoint, from a functionality standpoint, quality, and redesigned those things and brought 400 units over. We started pre-selling them on Facebook and we created a brand around it and said, if they sell, they sell. If they don't, we had a lot of fun. It was a cool concept and we've got a lot of scooters. 
<laughs> for the future. <laughs> right. Fortunately, it took off. I mean, these things just started flying out. We rented a 2,200 square foot warehouse on the west side of the valley in, in Phoenix. We were there for about 30 days until we outgrew that place. Wow. Moved into 4,500 feet. We're in there for about three months and then moved into 14,000 feet. And now we're at 25,000 feet. So Amazing. we've got a kind of a little campus. So it's been a lot of fun and it, there's a lot that goes into it. And we've learned a lot and we've expanded the product quite a bit. We have five different products that we sell and tons of accessories and customization and everything. And that's really helped grow the business. Got it. Got it. So for entrepreneurs out there, the golf space and even ones that are listening that are in other sectors, we have quite a few of those too. Can you tell us, how did you cross that chasm to get going here? You've had other successful businesses, so I don't know if you've actually just taken the proceeds that you had with that to bootstrap your uh, business with fat scooters, or did you actually then take on equity or, or debt, whatever you can tell us that you're comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, people just love to hear how to cross that chasm, because you know you hang around a lot of entrepreneurs, and that's always that valley sure. of death between getting that traction and getting up and running in that chicken and egg there. So perhaps you can tell us those early days of how you managed to fund fat scooters for the first while? Yeah, the three of us started it. So Dan put up the money for the uh, inventory and that's how we started the company. And, and then we stayed very lean for, for the initial, but we, we used that to get a website started and fund initial inventory, get a building. And then we very quickly were able to actually fund rent and everything ourselves from there. So that was how we started the company. Got it. Thanks for that. So out of the gate, as far as your business model here, you touched on this earlier, Peter, that you looked at a business to business opportunity rather than a business to consumers. So could you tell us about that, what you first looked at as far as that, that napkin sketch of what your business would be? Entrepreneurs always struggle with this is how much should we charge for something, whether it's a product, service, or experience to get to their per unit costing, to get to their break-even point, all those other things that confound a lot of entrepreneurs. How did you guys come up with that to even realize, okay, this is the base pricing we need to charge with our profit margin, and this is how many units we need to sell considering our fixed costs and our variable costs and all those other things? Yeah, I mean, it's always a little bit of an experiment, right? When you do something and you try and do your research and, but it's in the end, it's, it's all an educated guess, I would say, but we looked at what our shipping costs were going to be, you know, that was a big part of it. This is a big product. And so how to move it and ship to a consumer, that was the first hurdle we had to overcome, but we got our costs in place and knew what our costs were. And we said, okay, well, here's what we think we need to mark up and we'll see, get them out in the marketplace and see if they sell. We can always make adjustments. And so that's kind of how we came about it. We looked at what our shipping costs were going to be, our landed costs, everything like that, and then put our markup on it and then started the sales online. And we had people buying and said, okay, we're priced right. And, you know, as we've grown, we've some prices we've reduced, some we've increased, but the increase has also come with a lot of value. So it's not the same product that it was three years ago. It's gotten better we've put more care and, and effort into the product and more design. So that has made the product that much better. But shipping was the biggest thing we had to overcome early on. Right, right. And I'm looking at your website right now as compared to what I saw in person two years ago, the evolution of Fat Scooter. It was really good back then, but it's awesome now. And I just love this balance between, as you put art meets life with the signature artist series that you have, I want you to talk about that a little bit, but I 
like you to talk a bit about, you talked about experiments and you always have to look at that as entrepreneurs, right? You have to try some things and see what works. And the ones that do, you amplify those and the ones that you do, you reduce or, or you try something else. So right out of the gate, what market segment were you looking at as far as demographic range, as far as customer profile and behaviors? It sounds like it wasn't golf right out of the gate. So you can talk about that and what that moment was when you realized, oh, there's a golf market here too. So you can talk about your customers as that emerges and evolves over time. Yeah, it's been surprising to learn what our demographic has become. Initially, we thought, okay, people in their mid-20s to 30s is going to be our demographic for this. And it really has become where that's actually our smallest demographic. And it's been guys in their 40s to 50s is probably our strongest demographic. And then growing into the golf, we have a lot of people that are retired that are in their 70s that, that like the product. They like the look of it. We've got a lot of retired old Harley riders. They've had to sell the Harley and just enjoy riding this. It, you know, they get the wind in the hair and, and it's safe. So it really has been an experiment to see what we thought was going to be our demographic at a bar writing on a napkin, the structure of the company and everything else. And it really has morphed into a totally different deal now that we do food delivery, all kinds of other things. You know, we just keep expanding, but we really try and keep the focus on the scooter portion of it and keeping it fun. Those are kind of our big points. Nice. And as I can see, one of your taglines is cruise in style here. And I've, I've got to say, just looking at some of the images here with the different customizations, you can create your own design if you wish to. I want you to talk a little bit about the artist series, but it does come down to, you talked about experimentation, but also with entrepreneurship to really propel yourself forward. It really depends on partnerships and alliances and collaborations. So even with the artist series and some other things, you talk about how you approach collaboration and partnerships in order to grow and scale fat scooters. Sometimes it's hard to keep focus as an entrepreneur in, in a company and, and growing a company because you just want to do anything and everything, right, that is associated with a sale or could be. And so you have to be careful. We've, I think, done a really good job at our collaborations and, and our partnerships. It has to make sense for both sides, right? There has to be a benefit. So we, we really are careful to align with companies that are like-minded like us that have this kind of same core values as a company as a business because it is our reputation and we want to make sure that we're associated with companies that are ethical that bring that same sort of fun vibe to things and we've done collaborations with William Murray Golf clothing line they're great friends of ours and, and just have the same value that we do so we've partnered with beverage companies shoe companies different companies along the lines of like atmosphere tv different things like that for advertising and so it's been fun to be able to do that, but we get hit up on a daily basis by companies that you know either want us to come and attend an event or do things. And so there are things that we, we've had to turn down just because of bandwidth and costs associated with it. But it is a constant struggle, I would say, to make sure that the company is moving in the right direction, not kind of slipping out and doing things that are taking away from the day-to-day -day task of getting scooters out the door. Right. And I know myself as an entrepreneur, that's something for years I've always, I don't know if I say struggled with, but it's certainly it's something that has popped its head up every once in a while is you get all these other opportunities and it's very easy to, to spread yourself way too thin and wanting to look at other opportunities as an entrepreneur, right? And that fear of missing out sometimes. But what I love what you're doing here and having that focus reminds me of one of the quotes that Steve Jobs said back in the day that he said, I'm more proud of some of the things or products that I said no to rather than the things that I actually created because that then allowed them to focus on other things at Apple. 
sounds like that's the same approach that you take in order to stay hyper-focused with the product, but still balance that with looking at other opportunities and other other markets. So so with that, as far as that focus in college, so as being a competitive swimmer and an athlete, what lessons or characteristics have you taken away from being a competitive athlete, would you say, that have informed you and helped you as an entrepreneur? You know, I think with every athlete, I, I mean, I love hiring athletes just in general because I think the motivation is there, the competitiveness, the drive and focus is already built in usually to their core, especially if they were at a higher level. And that's really what has taken me into this. My other business partner, Bo, played football at U of A. We were there. And so we were both athletes at a Division One, very high level competitive environment and school. But that drive and competitiveness you can take with you anywhere. And so that motivates me every day, the sales side of it to the marketing, wanting to put the best product possible, make sure that our customers are taken care of and go the extra mile. I've learned that from my years being an athlete and waking up at 5 a.m. to go swim in the morning and then go to class and do studies and come back and swim in the afternoon and then study for exams and then hit the sack early to get my rest. That was a daily deal. So my college experience was a little different than most people's having to balance all of that. And so balancing that as well helped me balance the stress and it's associated with starting a company and having a family and balancing the, the work and family life and all of that. That's, that's a great response. And one of the things we talked about quite often on the podcast and speaking with entrepreneurs is about that burnout that happens so often for entrepreneurs. As you very well know, Peter, you've been in this game for quite a, a while now that the statistics are kind of grim on the entrepreneurship side as far as uh, anxiety and depression. And I hate to say it, even with, with suicide rates being a lot higher than the national average, because it is so hard and isolating and lonely in some cases. And what I always love to promote and try to promote, and it sounds like you're living this, is that balance and that harmony in your life and look for other outlets in your life between friends and family and taking care of yourself. And it sounds like you've embedded that right into what you do. And I'd like to segue that into to see how you've actually taken your own personal ethos and created the culture around fat scooters and with the business. So can you tell us a bit about the culture you have and what your why and your purpose, kind of your North Star, if you will, at fat scooters with your staff? Yeah, so we've have expanded. We grow at an incredible fast pace here, which has been fun and also stressful. But we we really try and promote a culture of respect and family. We want people that come to work here to have fun and enjoy coming every day to the office and building scooters and you know out selling and marketing and designing and things like that. So we really try and keep a handle on that and create an environment that's just respectful for everybody where they feel safe as well as have a lot of fun. And that's what we strive to do each and every day. Nice. On your website, I did have a look at your team bios there, and every single one of them has some type of funny, quirky little comment attached to uh, something about their personality or their likes or dislikes. So I can tell already that in the culture there that you guys play hard, work hard, sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it sounds like you really do embrace that. You uh, support each other and don't take things too seriously, but at the same time, you take the business quite seriously. Yeah, we do. Uh, we have a lot of fun going to these events. We definitely promote the uh, work hard, play hard deal. You've got to got to be able to relax and have fun at the end of the day. But we expect everybody to be focused, do their job, and then have fun. 
Good stuff. Now, I've also seen here, Peter, that one of your other passions and your previous endeavors here with EcoPact as a sustainable product solution for packaging, storage, shipping, distribution, and manufacturing industries. So you obviously have a great affinity for sustainable design, not only environmental side, but also the social and also the economic side of sustainability. So we've talked about how awesome and cool and just kind of badass that fat scooters are. Can we talk about the side of the performance here. I've got the stats up in front of me on the dashboard here, and it's 100% electric. But rather than me ramble on about this, this is your baby. So tell us a little bit about that as far as the sustainability side and why that's so important to you. Yeah, you know, we had EcoPack for a while that did a weldless aluminum pallet. We did design packaging for Tesla Motors, Boeing, Toyota, you name it, Gojo, a lot of household name brand companies. And so that was, that was a lot of fun doing that. And then we got into the wireless tracking of the pallets. So learned a lot from that. Everybody's concerned about the environment and electric vehicles are a sustainable way to get around, but they're also really cost effective. Not having to put gas in it, the maintenance on them is is really simple. It's almost like owning a bike. And we've seen the electric bike market explode as well. People are looking for better ways to get around than jumping in their car and looking for fun ways to do it. So we alternate between the scooters and the bike still just so we can get some exercise. But, you know, you can go a lot further on the scooter, get to the grocery store and find new routes. You know, we call one of our slogans is explore new paths. And, you know, when you get out and go for a ride around the neighborhood, you take streets that you might not have taken in a car to get to your neighbor's house or to get to a friend's house down the street, get to the grocery store. And along the way, you meet new people, especially now with what's going on. Everybody's out in the front yards, taking walks, bike rides. And so we've seen more scooters out, out on the streets than ever. We're one of the only companies out there that'll back that will throw a two-year warranty on our battery. And so we really do stand behind the product. We have the best uh, customer service team in the business and people, they're not calling over to India or China to get somebody on the phone to troubleshoot with them. They're getting somebody right here in Phoenix. And you know we really take a lot of pride in what we, in what we do. So, and I think that shows with, you know, our customer service reviews and everything, and you're not going to always keep everybody happy, but we do what we can and strive to be the best out there in the business. Good stuff. Good stuff. So my background is in architecture, previous life that's led me to everything that I do in in the sports entrepreneurship and golf entrepreneurship space now, but I care about design and I can tell that you do also just looking at the detailing here and the evolution of fat scooters. Can you tell us a bit about how working after college to help grow your family's custom cabinetry business into a multi-million dollar company? Can you talk about that as far as the quality of detailing on cabinetry like that and maybe some of the other aspects of your professional experience that has informed you to, as we say, design like you give a damn? And you certainly do that with Fat Scooters. So you talk about that as far as how design is important to you? Sure. My dad started a custom cabinet business when he moved back from Guam. And after I got out of college, I went up to work for him. And he now is my COO of Fat Scooters. And so we've been in business uh, since 2003 together. And you know, he's really been one of my uh, greatest mentors and, and friends and has really taught me a lot when it comes to not sacrificing for a buck, not sacrificing quality and also reputation, right, in business and, and being ethical and maintaining that in a company. So that's really taught me in, in the cabinet business, 
I had to cold call. So I learned cold calling techniques, uh, calling on builders and then project management. I mean, I learned a, a whole slew of, of skills doing that. And so that was really good. And then, you know, the economic downturn happened in 2008, 2009, and we quit that business and jumped into the pallet side. So yeah, the things I learned in the cabinet business were just, it was such a great opportunity working with home from design aspect and finish and picking things like that. So that's taken that into the design of the scooter side and looked at it from that perspective of the quality that we expect and the finishes and the designs and things um, that's come into play. My next question was going to be, who are your entrepreneurial mentors or heroes? I think you just answered that question. It sounds like it's your dad. <laughs> it is. He, he, would be, he would be at the top of the list. Excellent. Nice to hear. I did want to ask you this. Of course, ourselves recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic here as we're all staying at home. I did get an email from Fat Scooters a, a week or so ago where you were positioning, talking about with social distancing and the opportunity business-wise for you or how Fat Scooters could actually help considering this, this new normal that we're working our way through. I've talked over the last couple of weeks just through LinkedIn. I've reached out to dozens and dozens of people in the golf industry, asking them how COVID-19 is affecting their business with opportunities and also risks and challenges. I think I know the answer to this already, but could you talk to our audience here, our listeners, of how you see as things are evolving here, how are you innovating or repositioning or, or trying to capture opportunity that you see that fast scooters can help be part of something positive here as we're kind of changing the ways that we're socializing right now? Yeah, we've created a safe environment for our employees. A lot of people are working from home right now. We've transitioned. And one of the cool things we're doing right now is we're actually using our 3D printer and we're printing up face shields for the hospital to use since they can't get their hands on them. And that's just one of the many things that we're doing to try and help out in this time. And we've offered free home delivery this month with the stay-at-home orders that many states have. So we're doing free home delivery, which is obviously being into our profits, but uh, it's something we wanted to do to, to help people and, and encourage people. Biggest thing I've seen is on the golf side with single rider, with this movement at the social distancing side of things. You have a lot of golf courses that are mandated one rider per cart. Well, you now have a foursome taking out four carts versus two carts. Uh, the wear and tear on the courses is going up, but it's also an expense, six or $7,000 golf cart versus ours, uh, half the cost of that, the limited storage spaces. So the golf course is presenting with, even though everybody's out wanting to play golf now, it's presenting some new problems for the courses and we're a good solution for that. So we've seen that side of it start to grow in the interest. Also on our food delivery side, we've seen interest with a lot of these restaurants not being able to have dine-in services. We donated 10 of our food delivery uh, fleet units to local restaurants here and a couple in California to help them because they kind of had the rug pulled out from underneath them to help them stay in business and create a delivery model for them. A lot of the third-party delivery companies right now taking big commissions at percentages, upwards of 30, 35% from these restaurants is just enormous and eating into their profits right now at this time. And so a lot of them are looking to do delivery and that fleet unit is a type two e-bike and provides a great solution for them rather than having to go get insurance on a vehicle, gas and liability, all that kind of stuff that's associated with it, getting on a, one of our fleet units and, and getting out to deliver. And so we've been encouraging people to call directly to the restaurants to order rather than going on the third party apps. And that's what's really going to help these restaurants through it. 
Yeah, I know everywhere in North America, well, around the world, really. Yeah, once we come up the other side of this, it's really sad how the restaurant and hospitality business is going to get hit badly and how many restaurants are going to close. I have a hospitality background in the restaurant business for a couple of years early on. So I I definitely sympathize with that. So what I love about this with Fat Scooters, once again, ties into your culture here, that social impact piece. I'm sure you get these emails in your inbox every single day of these companies or that you haven't heard from from years and how they just say how they're there to help. And it's a bit of a hollow gesture where you're actually walking that walk and, and making a difference as far as that pandemic response. So thank you for making that effort and just stepping up and doing it for all the right reasons. It sounds like you're doing some great things there and everybody with Fat Scooters is buying into it with your team there. That's great stuff. Thank you. Yeah. So, hey, to finish up here, I do want to ask you this, just as far as entrepreneurship, the fact that you have had quite a few years involved in the entrepreneurship in many different spaces, both hardware, tech, and combinations thereof. Could you please give some kind of cautionary tales or tips or inspiration for the entrepreneurs that are out there, some that perhaps are just looking to start up now, especially now if they've been displaced and their job has now disappeared and now we're looking at entrepreneurship, some tips and tales for entrepreneurs of things that you would recommend, especially on the product side, since you're focused on product right now? Yeah, you know, whether whether it's product or not, I'd say the number one thing is do your research, right? Do your homework. Just because something sounds cool or looks cool doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make you money. <laughs> and, you know, there could be a thousand other people doing it and you're going to really struggle. But do your research. Part of that homework process is bringing other people into it for advice. Everybody's got friends, family that they can call on. Go on LinkedIn and find somebody in, the, in that field or that's been in there. And that's kind of what we did with the scooter is I called somebody additionally besides myself, which was Bo, and said, okay, if he's got the same reaction to this, then I know we're on to something. And our research was riding the scooters around and getting all the looks and the questions. So we knew that there was a marketplace for it. I would really highly encourage people not to just jump in right away, put some time in, spend some time doing your homework on the product, finding out if there is a marketplace for it and if there's a want. That would be, I think, my biggest piece of advice. Beyond that, I would say be very frugal in the beginning. Money can fly out the door really quickly. And so just be cautious, put your budgets together, try and stick to them and follow those guidelines. Uh, That was great advice all across the board there. And I work with a a lot of early stage companies, entrepreneurs, and people that call them, whether it's aspiring entrepreneurs or wantrepreneurs, some people call them. And I reiterate those things you just said also, that the last thing you want to do as an entrepreneur is create something on time, on budget that nobody wants. So get some feedback, uh, find out if there actually is customers out there, if there is demand, if there is a desire for this. And you did that very early on with Fat Scooters, the the reaction that you got riding down the streets with these things. That was social proof right there that obviously lets you know before you really dug into something with more diligence that uh, you're onto something. And a lot of entrepreneurs sadly don't do that. They fall in love with that baby and they keep it as close as possible and try to make it as shiny as possible and adding more features before they get it out there and test it. So great advice there, Peter. Thank you for that. So as we wrap up, could you let our listeners know where they can find out more about Fat Scooters, whether it's on social or even just anywhere and tell us a little bit and if someone's interested, whether it's a golf club operator and owner or even someone out there that just wants to do something environmentally friendly and have a sweet ride that looks awesome. Tell us how we can find more out about Fat Scooters. Absolutely. Well, we've got a great website. You can uh, get most of our information on all our products right there. It's uh, Fat Scooters with a PH, fatscooters.com. And they can go right on there, build their scooters or call in. Our sales line is 866 972 6687. 
So they can call there and get one of our sales guys on the line to uh, walk them through the process. We have financing options available. We have 0% for 12 months up to a certain dollar amount. So we really try and offer a lot of different ways that people can get into our product. And like I said, we're here to help. We've got a great design team. You can make pretty much make anything you want. So that's one of the cool things is the personalization side of it. So again, fatscooters.com with a PH or 866-972-6687. There you go. And as I always do in the show notes for this episode and also in Peter's bio page, I will include all the links that he just mentioned. I'll also include all of your social media links. I've followed your Instagram and you guys have great user-generated content. A lot of people very proud of their fat scooters and the customization on there. So I love that, the way you're curating that. And I just want to say, everybody out there, just stay safe. We will get through this as far as this pandemic. We're all in this together. And believe me, I would love to get down to uh, to Phoenix and get on a fat scooter and play a round of golf with you right now, Peter. But we'll all do the right thing. And we'll wait till the right time to do that. This will pass. And then we'll get back to be able to spend some time in person with each other. And Peter, I hope to meet you in person again very, very soon. So hey, Peter Johnson, co-founder and CEO of Fat Scooters. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for all the uh, nuggets of wisdom you provided today. And uh, thanks for being on the Mod Golf Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I loved it. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Peter Johnson, co-founder and CEO of Fat Scooters. If you'd like to learn more, go to our episode show page where we've included additional links and content. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Golf Genius Software, for help making the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcast fix. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.